Welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast hosted by nutritional coach Jessica Tai, where we are dedicated to promoting health and overall well-being through nutrition, specifically the ketogenic diet. We will provide you with all the latest science in nutrition, interviews with experts in the health and wellness field, and answer all your burning questions so you can find optimal health. This podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and is to be used for informational purposes only. Please contact your doctor with any and all medical questions. Now here's Jessica. Hello, hello everybody. We are back. Episode two of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. This is exciting. And I have with me again today, my husband, Mr. Derek Ty. Hello everybody, how's it going out there? <laughs> So I brought Derek back again today so he could just kind of help me out. Um, One of the things that I wanted to do in this podcast is to, this podcast in general, is to go over client questions and listener questions that people send in because I figure if I've got somebody asking it, there's probably more of you out there that want to know. All right. Well, I've got, uh, I'll do the uh, duty of reading the client questions. How's that? That sounds like a great idea. Well, uh, first one I've got here says, I'm really anxious to lose weight. How can I optimize that? And how much should I expect to lose along the way? Mm, Good question. So I get this question all the time because a lot of times those of us who want to make a change in our nutrition uh, or diet are specifically wanting to do so to lose weight, which is not a bad thing. I mean, that's good. It's uh, We all need to be at an optimal weight. And that's just how we function better. But uh, I don't want it to always just be about weight. But as long as we understand it's not just about that. Um, basically, um, depends on what it depends on what we're doing with you. It depends on so many things, um, how insulin resistant you are or, or insulin sensitive that you are. It depends on um, what uh, specific diet you want to go with. If you're more like, wow, I've been on the standard American diet for years, 20, 30, 40 years, and I just cannot imagine going keto. That's crazy. Um, if we need to start out a little bit, something a little bit easier. So that's going to determine how long things take is how um, aggressive you want to be or how slowly we need to work um, based on kind of your individual health and and things like that. So, um, but basically, um, uh, depending on your needs and what we're focusing on, um, once we can get your hormone function optimized, um, and get you on the right plan, it's gonna start happening pretty quickly. Um, Usually just getting healthier will naturally just have the pounds start coming off. Um, The keto diet, I would say, is definitely the one that's gonna make the most serious changes with pretty much anybody. Uh, Most clients, once they get started on a ketogenic diet, uh, they're gonna feel better even before they start seeing changes, even before they start seeing the weight come off, but um, they're definitely gonna start feeling that. So let's imagine like someone eating a high carb, low fat diet. You're like, you know, we are told that is that is the standard American diet. Um, they're on this insulin roller coaster every single day. Um, you eat any carbs, uh, any sugar, and your blood sugar rises. And then in response to that, your pancreas releases the hormone insulin, and that brings your blood sugar back down. Um, once your body has utilized all that glucose for your current energy needs, and then stores maybe some for the glycogen, then that insulin is gonna usher any of the extra sugar right into your fat stores. So that is a 
that is a sad, like we were talking about last episode, that is a very sad diet. <laughs> so, so that's what happens. So once you can stop that madness and stop that roller coaster, really the weight starts coming off pretty quickly. So it sounds like it's kind of a fun way to not concentrate on the weight loss itself, but be more focused on getting healthier. Yeah, like what we talked about in the last episode was you asked me what are my favorite things or what are the things that, I remember how you worded it, but that I noticed right away on the ketogenic diet or what, what things did I notice or liked the improvement of the most. And one of the things you brought up was you noticed that you felt like I um, was a little bit sharper um, mind, my focus and, and whatnot. And I think that's very true, but I think you start noticing those things even before the weight loss and the weight loss comes quick, but you'll notice that I noticed energy. Um, you know, I just felt better. I just, I, I feel like, you know, your body just, it runs better on ketones. So you just feel better in general. That's cool. Well, I guess, um, you know, a lot of, uh, men and women, I guess, want to know, how much protein should they put in their diet every day? I know, I guess, you know, a lot of things I've always read said you're supposed to have one gram for every pound of body weight just to maintain your, your protein or to, or to get more muscle or to, you know, not lose muscle. Uh, but I, you know, I've also heard other variations. What, that's the question here. How much protein should someone take in every day? Well, um, I think that's a little bit aggressive. So depending like, again on what uh, way of eating we've got you on and what we're following, um, I really still think protein stays pretty much the same across the board regardless of which you know diet you're doing. Um, protein in general is you need about one to one and a half grams per kilogram of lean body mass. So um, there's ways you can Google that and figure that out online pretty easily. Um, but just to give you a, a, an idea, um, if you are about a 140 pound woman, that's at about, that's about 64 uh, kilograms. So at that weight, your protein intake should be, I know this is a broad range, but I would say between 60 and 90 grams per day. And that just depends on what you're really trying to do and you know, where you're at metabolically, metabolically. Like if you're, what happens is when you eat protein, your body can only, it's only going to use so much of it. Once it is used what it can use, it cannot store protein, so it has to convert that into glucose, and that's a process called gluconeogenesis. And once it converts that, then guess what happens? Blood sugar rises, insulin releases, insulin's the fat storage hormone, so it's that whole cascade again. So protein, it, I think when you're eating large amounts of protein like that, um, I think that is most definitely contributing to um, insulin resistance. It's contributing to fat storage, all those things that we don't want. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I guess so if someone's taking in too much protein every day, the bottom line is it actually may be adding to their gut when they think it's going to be adding to their muscles. Absolutely. Hmm. Interesting. All right. So I've got another question here. Uh, what is a net carb versus total carbs? And does that matter? Should I be concerned about net carbs or just, you know, what does that mean? Yeah. So let's just talk about uh, real quick, just to find what, what a net carb is. So net carb is when you take the uh, total carbs that's in a food and you subtract the fiber from those total carbs. That's how you get your net carbs. 
So um, I do this calculation for many clients, especially if they don't have a ton of weight to lose and they just want to be healthy. They aren't super metabolically broken. You know, we're not dealing with type 2 diabetes or insulin resistance, um, anything like that, like a pre-diabetic state. Um, but if you know you're diabetic or pre-diabetic or you otherwise are having some uh, metabolic issues, then I would advise you pay more attention to your total carbs. Um, like I said, I don't think it's a big deal to go by net carbs if you know it's not, you really aren't having any of those um, you know, kind of insulin resistance issues. But if you are, I would focus on the total carbs. As we need to keep in mind that the body will turn some of the fiber that you eat into sugar. So we need to minimize that happening. So even if you, you know, so when you are reducing your total carbs to the net carbs and you're thinking, well, all that fiber doesn't count, well, that's not entirely true. And, you know, you don't really know how much of that fiber your body's converting. So um, you just need to be, that could be a finer line for some people than others. All right. Well, uh, let's see what else we've got. Another question here. Um, how can I know I'm in ketosis um, and how long will it take me to get into ketosis? Okay. Well, actually ketosis is just the state of burning fat for fuel instead of uh, sugar or carbohydrates. So um, really you're in ketosis anytime that you have a meal that doesn't involve carbohydrates or sugar. Um, your body is going to, um, you'll go through your, uh, your, any sugar that you have, um, you're just going to burn the fat, then you're going to be in ketosis. So let's say you eat like a, um, a, a steak with some, you know, lots of butter and, uh, you know, maybe some, uh, cauliflower, uh, one night and that's what you have for dinner. And then in the morning, maybe you, um, don't eat right away. Let's say you kind of have a brunch and your brunch is some eggs and bacon and, uh, maybe some avocado. And that's great. Well, you're in ketosis after that breakfast. Um, your body is, that's what it's burning for fuel. You don't have any, uh, glycogen stores left at that time to burn through. So you are in ketosis now. Um, so so the question is, how long will it take me to get there? Well, that's, that's how long it'll take you to get there. But if you're trying to actually um, become keto adapted, which is a whole different thing, then you're gonna wanna, I, my advice is to start measuring your ketones. You wanna see um, that you're continuing to produce ketones so that you know that you're eating the right amount of carbohydrates, the right amount of sugar for your body. So a um, couple of ways that we can do that. Uh, there are urine strips. Um, one of the popular brands is Keto Sticks, but you can get these like on Amazon or um, different places. But so urine strips measure, um, uh, they measure the acetate in the, in the urine. So what happens is your ketone, when you're producing um, ketones, especially in the beginning is when this works, um, your body is not using all of those ketones. So the excess ketones, um, they will be excreted in your urine. So you're going to you're going to, uh, pick those pretty quickly up on those keto sticks. Um, the acetoacetate is what those ketones are. Um, typically in about three to four weeks, um, sometimes it can take a little longer than that. You'll stop spilling the ketones in your urine because you're going to start becoming keto adapted. Once that happens, you might start to freak out if you're still using the keto, they are the urine strips because you're not going to get that, that measurement anymore. And you're going to think, Oh no, what am I doing wrong? I'm not in, in ketosis anymore. And, 
and whatever. So um, I, I don't mind clients using the keto sticks in the beginning because I think it can be um, exciting to start seeing that measurement show up. It just, it's a stick that changes color um, and it gets darker to lighter and, and it starts out at like a neutral where you're producing none and then it just continues to get darker as it picks up more and more um, higher levels of the ketones in your urine. Um, so I think it can be exciting for clients. You know, you can go in and see that, that you are producing ketones and you get pretty excited about that and, and then um, that can help keep you going. So I think that's fine. But after the, the first few weeks, um, month to two months, you're going to want to switch to a breath meter or a blood meter. Um, so the breath meter uh, measures the acetone. That's the ketone body that's found in your breath. And the blood meter is um, going to, it works like a glucose meter and it measures the beta hydroxybutyrate and that is the ketone body in your blood. So you can get those, you can get the glucose meters and then the ketone strips at uh, a lot of different drug stores. I think Walmart sells those um, as well and you can get the whole setup for about $100 um, to do your blood meter. But the breath meter right now, the only company that I know of that offers that is Ketonics and you can go to ketonics.co and get that and they are about $200. So um, those are both good ways to kind of measure your ketones so you can see how you're doing and, and see that you really are in ketosis. And that's important when you're trying to figure out your macro ratio because um, really it's, even though we say, you know, it might be 75, 25, five, 75% um, fat, 25 protein, 5% carbs, um, there really is some variation in that. And again, it depends on the person. Hmm. Okay. Got it. All right. Well, uh, what does keto adapted really officially mean? Well, that's just kind of, we just talked about that and that is just, um, when your body is actually now using the ketones, it's actually running on fuel. That is that on, on the fat for fuel. That's its preferred, um, because I think that's a confusing thing for a lot of people. So I'm a lame in there. So that's, 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 that's my thing. I appreciate you clearing that up. Okay. So just to be clear, can you give me a little bit more clear example? What exactly does keto adapted mean then? Yeah. Okay. So typically uh, most people are sugar burners. It doesn't mean that that's the way our body was designed to be, but that's what we become. So our bodies are pretty smart and they're going to go through First of all, sugar um, is gonna be the quickest burning, that's the easiest fuel to burn. Um, we're gonna use that first. We also have to use it because um, if our blood sugar stays too high and we have too much um, sugar in the blood, we'll die. So if we are putting all these carbohydrates and these sugars in our body, then we're going to burn through those first. Like I said, it's a fast burning fuel, it's easy for our body to use, so they're gonna use that, it's gonna use that preferentially if that's there. Um, when you become keto adapted, it means that your body is now switching over to burning fat preferentially. Now, if you give it too many carbohydrates, it's still going to burn that first, um, but it's going to, it's, you're going to be a, a fat burner. So, okay. So let's talk about it. Um, becoming keto adapted or some people call it fat adapted. Um, generally it's going to take a few weeks to a couple of months. Like I said, uh, just a little bit ago here. It's, I've seen it take you know up to two months for some people. Um, 
So during that time, your body's gonna start learning how to break down the fat for fuel. Um, the processes for those two instances are very, very different. So um, our body has to use different enzymes to break down either one of those fuels. So during the time that your body is figuring that out, um, how to how you, it needs to basically get more of those enzymes and it needs to start learning how to do that process more efficiently before it can really be considered fat adapted. So during that time, people typically will start feeling tired, maybe get headaches and um, kind of brain fog feeling, um, stuff like that. That's common and that is often referred to as the keto flu. If you've heard of the keto flu. Yes, I've heard of that. So um, once you get through that, um, then that is when your your preferred fuel source is now going to be ketones. And that makes all kinds of different things in your body change, including your hormone levels, your glycogen stores. And really, because you no longer have so much glucose in your body, um, your water retention drops. So I remember, you know, personally, when I went through uh, going into ketosis and keto adaption, all that good stuff, I didn't really have all those symptoms. Is it because maybe I wasn't, I wasn't eating a lot of sugar and, and carbs yeah, before that? Yeah, that is probably why. So your body, you know, you probably had been dabbling in that ketosis more than, than the average person does. And our bodies, you know, we, it prefers to do that. Like that feeds your major organs in your body, including your brain. They prefer to run on ketones. So yeah, you just may not have gone through that because maybe you didn't have all of those same, you know, issues that a lot of us do have. Um, I did go through a pretty good keto flu when I started. Um, I would say it was about three days and then I started feeling better. The, the biggest issue that kind of lingered for me was the energy level. Like I remember um, going out and doing like my HIT training and I was just, I couldn't believe I'd be halfway through it and thought I can't go one more step like this is, and it's not a long training session. It's like 15 minutes <laughs> and about seven, eight minutes in, I couldn't even, I didn't want to do it anymore. That's interesting. Well, so I guess, you know, a lot of people might ask, uh, you know, they'd love to do this, but they don't want to give up all their sweets and treats and everything that people find enjoyable in life. So the question I have here is, what are some good keto snacks? I feel stuck and not sure what else I can eat. Well, there is lots of good goodies that you can eat. And I'm telling you what, one big thing that you're going to notice is for me anyway, is going ketogenic, snacks kind of become a thing of the past. Like you don't really need to snack because you're full like all the time. Fat is so satiating and you don't have to keep replenishing your energy stores by eating more, more glucose, more carbohydrates. So you really kind of lose that need to snack all the time. But a lot of uh, people, when they first start doing this, they definitely ask those questions. They want snacks, they want goodies. So I have all kinds of things that I recommend and then um, that can help them get through. So um, some of my favorite swaps, um, let's see. I get asked a lot about chips. Like what kind of chip can I use? Um, we're kind of a chippy nation, I think. Yeah, everybody, everyone wants something salty to snack on. Everybody likes something salty and crunchy and tortilla chips with guacamole and salsa and all that stuff. So that can be hard. Um, 
But one of the absolute best things, ketogenic or not, if you have not tried them, you need to try these cheese crisps. Or um, one of the brands is called Wisps. And if you are in an area that has a Costco wholesale market, um, you need to go to Costco and buy the Wisps. Um, so they are literally just baked cheese. That's all that's in them. And they are so good. And um, great ratio as far as fat, uh, protein, and uh, carbohydrate, all that. I and mean, there's, you know, there's like no carbohydrates. And um, they're super, super good. You get that crispy, you get the, the salty kind of flavor, and they're super satiating. So you don't even have to eat that many and you're just like, oh, that's amazing. So you can eat those with salsa, you can eat those with guacamole. Another really good one for a swap with something crunchy is um, potato chips or to, to swap for the potato chips is pork rinds. Um, so pork rinds have zero carbs and about 17 um, grams of protein in uh, servings. It's a lot, it could be a lot of protein depending on what your, um, on what you can be eating and what your macros make up. But like the, the cheese chips, for instance, they're about nine grams of protein per serving. But let me tell you, one of the most amazing things to me since this whole ketogenic snacking idea is guacamole or like a hot spinach and artichoke dip with pork rinds. They are amazing. Like and, it will and, rock your world. And I've never gotten into pork rinds before. I'm just, I don't even know. I just can't even like put them in my mouth. It's just weird. But oh, one of these, one of these so days good. I'm going to have to get over myself, I guess. Yeah, they're so good. Another great snack to keep on hand, you can keep them in the fridge, is some hard boiled eggs. Um, they're about six grams of protein each. So that's good lots of good um, saturated fat there um, macadamia nuts are really good you get in about a half a cup of macadamia nuts you're going to get about nine grams of carbs about six grams of protein um, lots of good fat uh, pecans and walnuts are also really good they both um, about a half a cup you're going to get about six to seven grams of carbs and somewhere between uh, around five grams of protein so pecans and walnuts i love those are so good um, cheese the uh, string cheese like cheese sticks those are really good too uh, one of my favorite brands is the organic valley uh, those are like that's zero carbs seven grams of protein in those um, uh, the applegate organics uh, genoa salami those are super good so my daughter what she loves is i will take one of the organic valley string cheeses and I will cut that into, well, I'll break it in half, and then I split the halves into halves again. So basically I've got, I've quartered the cheese stick, and then I take one of the um, Applegate organic salamis, and I roll that around the cheese stick quarter, and then she eats that as a snack, and she absolutely loves that. And again, the salami is zero carbs, lots of good fat, and about four grams of protein. Um, and then you can do, you know, you can do some, some fruit. And I know some like super high, hardcore ketogenic um, people will say absolutely no fruit, too much sugar and, um, you know, fructose. So you got to stay away from that. Um, I think in moderation, it's fine. Um, again, depending on the client, but some of the best fruits that you can en enjoy um, at least like once a day, I tell my clients to kind of keep it limited to one, one time a day, but um, Watermelon's actually pretty good because it's such a high concentration of water 
Um, so that's kind of a good one. You don't have to have too much of that and you're, you're not going too crazy on that. But some other ones are plums. Um, there's about eight grams of carbs in a plum. Half a cup of blackberries, that's about seven grams uh, of carbs. Blueberries, a half a cup of blueberries is about 10 grams of carbs. Um, half a cup of raspberries, about eight grams of carbs. And then like a clementine, like a, a small, um, you know, one of those little oranges, that's about nine grams of carbs. So those are all good options too, um, especially if you're just wanting something sweet. And trust me, you will lose your sweet tooth and um, that something like those fruits like that, that's often all you're gonna need. And then some people really just say, I've, I really just need something, I need a candy, I need something like that. Like how can I give up like Reese's peanut butter cups and all this crazy stuff? Well, um, I make a homemade sugar-free peanut butter cup, which I know you, Love. I actually shared one right before the podcast with myself. Did you? Oh, yes. with yourself. I was yeah. going to say, didn't share it with me. So I make those here at the house and I make those with Lily's chocolate chips. And that's actually in itself is another really good uh, snack or treat if somebody is just like, man, I just need some chocolate. So Lily's makes uh, sugar-free chocolate. Um, it, they're sweetened with stevia and that's so good. They're really low carb for to have a treat like that. But to make the uh, peanut butter cups, uh, I just take those and some coconut oil and a little bit of vanilla and melt that. And then I have peanut butter that I also put coconut oil in and I melt that down. And then it's like a three-step process. You just layer, you know, the chocolate and peanut butter, freezing the choc the candies um, in each layer. I do it in a in a mini cupcake cup and uh, and with a liner in it. And that's pretty much it. And it makes these little mini peanut butter cups. So those are really good. All right. Well, I think that's about all the content we have for today with all the questions I've got. So uh, I guess back to you. All right. Well, that's it. Boy, I really feel like I just talked a ton today. But um, man, I guess we just had a lot of questions, a lot of things to talk about. So um, real quick, I'm going to give you the tip of the day, kind of one of my little um, things I like to give you guys. So today I want to talk about infrared saunas. Um, so I am a huge infrared sauna fan. I believe in the power of an infrared sauna. And I don't know if you have... Um, any experience with them, but I have one in my home and I use it. I'm probably in it four to five days a week. My um, kids use it. My husband uses it. We love it. So um, the infrared saunas are different than a typical sauna because they emit infrared light uh, waves that create heat inside the body. And they, they basically you heat from the inside out. So it causes you to sweat and um, release toxins and it's amazing. So um, there's three different infrared light sources. There's a, a far, a mid and a near. And depending on the infrared sauna that you have, you may have one or two or all three of those, um, of those infrared waves uh, in your sauna. So uh, mine is a far and a near. So I have a far, um, infrared sauna and then I have purchased near infrared lamps and placed those in the sauna so I get both when I'm in there and it's amazing. I mean you sweat like crazy. They say you burn up to 600 calories um, just sitting in that sauna so it's quite a workout for your body um, and it just 
it, you feel so good. I mean, when I come out of there, it feels like I worked out. But some of the health benefits of an infrared sauna, just a, just to name a few, are um, they've been proven to help heart function, um, lower chronic pain. So if you have chronic joint pain, um, they have been proven to help lower chronic pain. Um, and they help with your parasympathetic nervous system. So that helps you to relax. It helps you... Um, it helps with your digestion. There's so many things that um, your parasympathetic system um, affects in your body. So that really helps with all of those things. So, um, okay, so that's for the infrared sauna. Now I'm gonna move really quickly, try to wrap up real quick for you guys to the review part of the podcast today. So today, this review was left for me on my Facebook page and it says, Jessica's passion and dedication to sharing her health and nutrition knowledge really shines through. She is very thorough in her research and takes all that information and presents it in a fun, relatable, and understandable way. And that is from Bethany. Thanks so much for that, Bethany. And I think that's it. We will wrap up for today. I think I've talked your guys' ear off enough. And um, I hope that you come back next time. And I look forward to answering some more questions and sharing some more information with you. Thanks guys, see you later. This episode of Keto Lifestyle is brought to you by Datecrawl. Datecrawl is a multi-destination user-generated date night app that helps you discover new and exciting experiences in your area. We currently have lots of two to five location dates set up in the Cincinnati area and are accepting more date crawls all over the country. You can download it today on the App Store, Google Play, or get more information at their website at www.datecrawl.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed what we shared with you today and are looking forward to the next episode.